ومن أحسن قولا ممن دعا إلى الله وعمل صالحا وقال إنني من المسلمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ونوالهما بعد so we continue uh, from where we left off regarding the Day of Judgment. And uh, I, has, I had mentioned already the issue of uh, meeting Allah and the issue of being displayed in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we now uh, move on from where we left off. And the next issue that I want to shed light on, and again, I reiterate all of these aspects, we are not necessarily going in chronological order. Rather, each one of these can occur at any point on the Day of Judgment. And we're trying to look at all of these various aspects and then bring the evidences. As for the actual detailed sequence of events, we do not have an exact idea. We might have some generic idea, and I'm going roughly in that generic idea. But one of the key points is that it does appear that the Day of Judgment's events are going to be relative for each person. Each person is going to face slightly different issues and scenarios, and the time frame will also be different uh, for, from person to person. So again, re I reiterate, we are not necessarily going in every single chronological issue. Rather, we are gathering the evidences for every issue, and then inshallah, moving on. So the next issue, we talked about the Maji of Allah and the Ard, or the Buruz, wa barazu lillahi al-wahid al-qahar. We now move on to the issue of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to the creation and the creation hearing uh, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is again something that is very explicit in both the Quran and in the Sunnah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, for example, in Surah Al-A'raf, verse 6-7, to We will ask those who were sent a prophet, and we will ask the prophets themselves. So Allah will ask. This asking is a part of the hisab. It is a part of the reckoning. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will begin by talking to the prophets. And this is mentioned in a number of verses of them, Surah Ma'idah, verse 109 that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says يَوْمَ يَجْمَعُ اللَّهُ الرُّسُلَ فَيَقُولُ مَاذَا أُجِبْتُمْ On the day that Allah will gather all of the prophets Allah will ask them what responses did you get? What was the response of your people? And uh, with regards to the specific questioning of mankind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Hijr verse 92 to 93 So by your Lord we are going to ask each and every one of them what they used to do Allah is giving a qasam I swear by your Lord that we will we will question them all of them without any without any exception. And Allah says, وَقِفُوهُمْ إِنَّهُمْ مَسْؤُولُونَ Stop them right here and there. Don't just let them go on. Stop them. They're going to be questioned and interrogated. And there's a number of uh, a hadith in this genre as well. Of, of them is a beautiful hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, which is actually such an amazing hadith. It is the famous hadith of Abdullah ibn Unais ta'ala an, in which he said that, I heard the Prophet ﷺ say, 
يحشر الله الخلائق يوم القيامة عراة حفاة غرلا بهما that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will gather all of mankind on the day of judgment they will be naked they will be barefoot they will be uncircumcised the way that their mothers gave birth to them فَيُنَادِيهِمْ بِصَوْتٍ يَسْمَعُهُ مَنْ بَعُودَ كَمَا يَسْمَعُهُ مَنْ قَرُوبَ he will then shout out to them. The word is yunadi, and nida is to speak with a voice. He will then address them with a loud voice. And then, obviously, the speech of Allah is not like our speech. The kalam of Allah is not like our kalam. So, what is this interesting adjective or description that our Prophet ﷺ said? يَسْمَعُهُ مَنْ بَعُودَ كَمَا يَسْمَعُهُ مَنْ قَرُوبَ The one who was far away will hear it in the same manner as the one who was nearby. So when I speak, the one who is close to me will hear it better than the one who is far away. The speech of Allah is not like our speech and His kalam is not like our kalam and every attribute of His is not like our attribute. So the Prophet is saying, Allah will speak to them with a loud, yunadihim bisawtin, it's going to be a loud voice. But that voice that is, that is going to be heard, it is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is characterized by. And so the one who is far will hear it in the exact same manner as the one who is near. And then Allah will say, I am the king and I am the one who shall be the ultimate judge. All subjugate themselves to me. Everyone will hear Allah's reckoning and Allah's statement regarding himself that today I am the king. And the uh, Prophet uh, ﷺ mentioned in a number of hadith that Allah will speak to Adam and he will address Adam and Allah will speak to Nuh and Allah will speak to Ibrahim and Allah will speak to the Prophet Muhammad and this, this speech will of course be to the prophets and then of course uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also speak to the believers. As for those who rejected Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are some evidences that says that Allah will speak to them and there are other evidences that says that Allah will not speak to them. So how do we interpret this? For example, there is the phrase that is very common in the Quran, لَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يَنْظُرُ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ Allah will not even speak to them and Allah will not look at them and Allah will not purify them. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, Be quiet and do not speak to me. Do not speak to me. And in the hadith in Sahih Bukhari, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, That three are the people, Allah will not look at them, and Allah will not speak to them, and Allah will not purify them. And these three different narrations give different things, but overall, it is the one who is arrogant, and the one who is using Allah's name in vain. So multiple categories of people are mentioned, but it is very explicit. Three are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to them, and not look at them. And and therefore there is this notion of Allah not looking and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not speaking. Whereas in other verses, we hear and we get the impression that all of the creation will hear uh, the voice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Kathir, he comments on these two genres of evidences and he says that what this means is that Allah will not look to them a look of mercy and Allah will not speak to them a speech of mercy. Because we have other evidences that that 
all of mankind, they will be uh, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah will look upon all of mankind. Yet there are going to be some people He looks at with a look of mercy. And those who reject Allah, they will not be given that look. As also the issue of Allah not speaking, uh, others have commented, Al-Qurtubi and others, they comment that the day of judgment is very long. And at times, the speech of Allah for the one who rejects Allah will be a punishment. And at times, the silence of Allah will be a punishment. Both of them will be a punishment for those who rejected Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How so? So imagine, and again, I'm only giving this example so that we in this world understand. Imagine that a tyrannical regime has, uh, has taken some people to jail and they cannot even speak to the judge. They cannot even speak to a court of law. That cutting off is a type of torture for them. Then imagine if they are brought in front of uh, a judge that the only purpose is to so that this person is punished and the judge is going to sentence them to be punished. That too is a punishment for them. So again, I'm giving a worldly example, not in order to compare that to Allah, but to compare the situation that we might understand in this world and then extrapolate it to the next world. When such a person is not spoken to and is in solitary confinement, that is a torture. And when he is brought in front of a tribunal that has already decided his fate and he's guilty, that too is a torture. So we can reconcile this conflicting evidence by stating at certain time frames, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak and will not allow them to speak and that is a punishment to them. And at other time frames, Allah will speak to them. And that speaking itself is going to be obviously the height of terror because when Al-Malik is speaking to you and when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to tell you and point out to your own sins and you know they are true, imagine how terrified that is going to feel. So this is how we reconcile in the Quran and in the Sunnah the notion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes uh, speaking and sometimes not speaking to the one who rejects him. So this is the issue of Allah Azza wa Jal uh, looking upon the creation, the creation, some segments of the looking upon Allah, Allah Azza wa Jal speaking to the creation. Now we get to this issue of the actual hisab or the actual uh, reckoning. And this too, it is multifaceted. And again, I'm going to start off uh, this week and then next week I'm going to move on to another aspect of the hisab because the hisab or the reckoning, hisab means to reckon, hisab means to go over. So the accountant in Arabic is called the muhasib, so the one who does hisab uh, and uh, the calculator is called alat al-hisab or the hasub or the computer is called the, the hasub. So these are things that are used to calculations. So when we say the hisab, we mean the actual reckoning line by line, what is going to happen, uh, what when we hand in, if you like, our forms, there's going to be a hisab, a checking, and it will be done in multiple ways and batches. There's going to be multiple mechanisms. And so today we're going to begin, and next week, inshallah, we will continue this issue of how the hisab is done. So, one of the mechanisms of hisab, and in fact, the one that we want, is what is called al-ard. And we already mentioned this last week, and that is simply the overall examination that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look upon the entire creation. And as we explained last week, for some people, that in and of itself is all their hisab will be. 
every one of us will have a private moment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that private moment, that even though we are all surrounded by billions and billions of people, at that point in time, it will be as if we are alone, as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, focusing every attention on us, that is going to be our perception. And obviously everybody else will be having the same, uh, uh, if you like, one-on-one with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala an was famously asked, how will Allah do the hisab of all of mankind simultaneously? And Ibn Abbas responded the same way that he provides them their sustenance simultaneously. Every human being, his or her needs are taken care of as we live. My rizq is coming, your rizq is coming, the birds, risk is coming, the fishes, risk is coming. Simultaneously, Allah is taking care of all of our sustenance. Why can He not take care of all of our reckoning simultaneously as well? So, the one of the mechanisms of this reckoning, and it is going to be the lightest, and it is going to be the stage that is the least uh, difficult, and it is the stage that we want, and that is the stage of the ard, or the generic presentation. And the notion of a generic presentation, it is mentioned explicitly in the hadith of Bukhari, uh, narrated by Bukhari from our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, that she stated that once the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, manuqisha uzzib, that whoever is going to be questioned and whoever is going to be examined, that is going to be a punishment. Okay, so there's something called the niqash. And the niqash in Arabic, it means a back and forth, or it means a detailed examination. And so for example, uh, when a graduate student or a PhD student, when he's defending his dissertation, this is called the munaqasha. When the people are debating, it is called munaqasha. So this is the back and forth. So our Prophet ﷺ used the same verb, uh, the same noun, manuqisha. That whoever has this niqash, whoever is going to be examined, look at this, look at that, look at this, look at that, that is going to be an adhab. So Aisha radiallahu anha said, Ya Rasulullah, doesn't Allah say in the Quran that فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا yasira That there are going to be people that will have an easy hisab. How can it be adhab when Allah is saying it's going to be an easy hisab? And so the Prophet ﷺ said, That which you're talking about in the verse is the presentation, the ard. It is not a defense, it is not an examination, it is a presentation. What are the two Arabic words? Niqash or munaqasha and ard. The niqash, manuqisha uzzib, the niqash is point by point. Go over the entire list one by one. That is going to be the munaqasha. That is going to be the, uh, the detailed examination, the accounting. The other one, ard, it is just a generic. Okay, that's it, move on. Not line by line. And so when Allah Azza wa says in the Quran, فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا yasira. He will be accounted for with an easy accounting. That's what we want. We want the easy accounting. You know, this happens in, you know, especially in some of the smaller schools these days, the systems are so much in checks and balances. But I remember when I was growing up, the same thing happened. 
that the teachers knew the students so well that they knew who's going to score you know, very well and who's not going to score so-so. And the ones that they knew would get the A, the ones that were the top, top, top students, the, the teachers wouldn't go over bit by bit. They would just glance through it, make sure they've done it, and simply put A and hand it back. Whereas the ones who were the B, the C, the struggling students, you have to really examine bit by bit to see if they really passed or they got an A minus or a B plus. Whereas the ones who are solid, the ones who know they're always at the top of the class, when you hand in your paper, just going to give a flick of it, just look at it and say, yep, okay, everything's there. He's not going to go answer line by line, because he knows from your background, he knows from your, now obviously these days we don't do that because of all the checks and balances, and I don't know, teachers have become this and that, so you know, when I was growing up, it was, I remember this happening a number of times, and you know, it's something that, yeah, it was understood that and nobody complained, because everybody knew, this student deserves it. What he's done, he actually deserves it. That this person is, has, has brought forth a level of consistency all the time that once he hands in a paper, you know, I don't need to go and check. I know the quality of the student. That in Arabic is what the Prophet ﷺ called al-ardu. Just the overall, just flicking through. That's the ard. And that's what Allah says in the Quran that whoever does good and whoever believes and comes with good deeds, فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا يَسِيرًا He shall be given an easy hisab. And the one who will have to go line by line, even if he passes. By the way, going line by line does not mean he's going to go to Jahannam. No. Our Prophet ﷺ said, مَنُّوْقِشَ عُذِّبْ Let me give you an example that once again, we, just to give you an example, nobody should think that I'm comparing this dunya with the akhirah. But imagine on your tax forms, right? That even if you did everything correctly, and the government sends you a mail or a message like, we want receipts, we want evidence that every single line of yours is accurate. Even if you did everything accurately, for you to be under government scrutiny is a type of punishment. This is what the Prophet ﷺ is saying, If Allah is going to ask you for every single point, even if you pass, that is a type of punishment that you don't want, and the ultra-righteous, the, the, the most highest level of iman will not get that. It is going to be those that they're good and bad deeds are struggling with one another. They're kind of sort of mediocre or even worse than this. Those are the people line by line it'll be going over. And this is one concept of ard and niqash. Another concept we need to understand is that there will actually be physical evidence presented in the court of law on that day of judgment. There will be exhibit A. And what is that ultimate exhibit? What is the main point of evidence that will be brought forth? The main point of evidence is going to be the scroll of deeds that our own actions have written down through the medium of the angels. So, the notion of our scrolls and the notion of our own deeds being presented back to us is a central motif of the Day of Judgment. There are more than two dozen evidences in the Quran and Sunnah combined that mention that we will be getting our deeds that we ourselves have done back on the Day of Judgment. And we will be getting them back via the means of scrolls. What is a scroll? Uh, so uh, in Arabic, two words are used, uh, suhuf and 
kitab, both are used. And both of them have similar meanings. Suhuf means rolled up and kitab means opened up. And both of these are, are used and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this concept in the Quran of our good deeds being written down. And this is something that every single one of us knows. We hear about it since we are children and it is something that is mentioned in the Quran that we have uh, angels that are recording each and every deed of ours. And of course, this is a concept that is well known. Allah says in the Quran that uh, on his right and on his left, they are sitting down. Not a single word. Qawl here means word. Not a single word does he say, except that there are, they are raqibun atid. Now, some people have misunderstood that Allah is naming one of them raqib and the other atid. No, Raqibun Atid is not a proper noun here. It is an adjective describing their states. And Raqibun Atid here, it is in the place of an adjective. And what it means here, Raqib is observant and Atid is basically a guardian. So Raqib, Muraqaba, and Atid, he is the one making sure nothing slips. So Allah is describing the two angels, not naming them. So this concept of there being angels constantly writing down what we have done, this is something that is again very clear in the Quran and in the Sunnah. For example, in Surah Al-Infitar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِنَّ عَلَيْكُمْ لَحَافِظِينَ Indeed, you have those that are protecting you. كِرَامًا كَاتِبِينَ They are noble writers. Kiraman, they are noble. The angels are noble. Katibin, they're scribes. What do they write? يَعْلَمُونَ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ They are, they know exactly what you have done. So they're writing down the deeds that you have done. And in Surah Al-Imran, verse 181, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenges those who have done a wrong and Allah says to them, سَنَكْتُبُ مَا قَالُوا We are writing down what they have said. We are writing down what they have said. Surah Yasin, in the famous verse in the first page of Surah Yasin, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نُحْيِ الْمَوْتَى وَنَكْتُبُ مَا قَدَّمُوا وَآثَارَهُمْ We shall indeed resurrect the dead and we are writing down, نَكْتُب, we are writing down all that they have done to send forward their good deeds or bad deeds, and we are riding down even their footsteps. In other words, that book is so comprehensive that nothing shall be escaping from it, including every step that you have taken. And every single thing that they have done, we have preserved it in the original registrar. Allah calls that the imam, and the imam here is the registrar, not the one that you follow, but rather your life is following that registrar. Everything that you do, your registrar is recording it. It is like an imam, because you follow the imam, so too your registrar follows your life, right? So, Everything that they have done, we have recorded it in a clear imam. And it is something that is again very clear. Surah uh, Tawbah, verse 120 to 121, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That it is not appropriate for the people of Medina and for the Bedouins around that, uh, the city of Medina, that they stay behind when the Prophet ﷺ goes out, and uh, that they don't prefer themselves over him. This is not right that you prefer yourselves over the Prophet ﷺ. Then Allah says, that is because, 
So Allah goes on a long list of things that whenever they become thirsty, whenever they become tired, whenever they become hungry in the way of Allah, whenever they take one step in the way of Allah to enrage those who reject Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whenever they do anything against an enemy, Allah says, إِلَّا Except that it shall be written down for them. So once again, the concept of kitab or writing down. And by the way, uh, it is not just two angels. It is not just two angels. Indeed, two angels are assigned, no doubt. But there are more than two angels that are writing things down. And on the day of judgment, it's not just going to be the two angels, it will be multiple angels that have written our deeds. So the author will be us via the ink of the angels. We will be the author when we recognize, when we see that book, we will know we are the author. We will know we are the ones who wrote that via the medium of various angels. And it's not just the two angels, there are other evidences. For example, the hadith in Sahih Bukhari. That our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا كَانَ يَوْمُ الْجُمُعَةِ وَقَفَتِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ عَلَى بَابِ الْمَسْجِدِ يَكْتُبُونَ الْأَوَّلَ فَالْأَوَّلِ That on the, day, on the day of Jumu'ah, the angels, they stand outside the door and they write down the names of the people in order that they come in. And the one who comes in early will get the more reward. So there are angels that are writing down that good deed. In the other hadith, also in, uh, in Sahih Bukhari and other books, that the Prophet ﷺ once prayed salah, and when he stood up uh, to the ruku' he said, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ Allah hears the one who praises him. And so a man heard this, and a man just instinctively, he didn't know this, he just simply said, that رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ حَمْدًا كَثِيرًا طَيِّبًا مُمَارَكًا فِيهِ مِلْأَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمِلْأَ الْأَرْضِ وَمِلْأَ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ شَيْءٍ بَعْدْ أَهْلَ الثَّنَاءِ وَالْمَجْدِ أَحَقُّ مَا قَالَهُ الْعَبْدُ وَكُلُّنَا لَكَ عَبْدًا He goes on and on, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the salah finished, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Who said that? And there was silence. Then he repeated, Who said that? And the man sheepishly said, Ya Rasulullah, I did and I didn't mean anything wrong. I just try, I'm just trying to praise Allah. The Prophet ﷺ said, Verily, I saw more than 30 angels ra- racing to see who writes, writes it first and takes it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, what phrase you have said is so beautiful. All of the angels, they were in a competition. Who's going to finish writing down and who's going to take it back? Uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these 30 angels are not just the angels that are assigned to us. Indeed, we have angels that are assigned to us. And our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned this. يَتَعَاقَبُونَ فِيكُمْ مَلَائِكَةُ The angels take shifts with you. Not because they're, they're bored, not because they get tired, not because they have to go sleep. No, it's because they want to worship Allah in different ways. And then a part of their worship is to take care of our good and bad deeds and write them down. So we have shifts of angels. And those shifts are at Salat al-Fajr and Salat al-Asr. If we're praying those two salawat regularly, the angels will report good news back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the concept of the angels writing down is something that is well known. And by the way, we should really humble ourselves in front of Allah for so many blessings. And of those blessings is the following one. Our Prophet wasallam said, hadith is in Muslim Muhammad and others, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَتَبَ الْحَسَنَاتِ وَالسَّيِّئَاتِ 
Allah has written down all of the good deeds and the bad deeds Allah is writing down. فَمَنْ هَمَّ بِحَسَنَةٍ Whoever sincerely desires to do one good deed, even if he doesn't do it, Allah will write for him a, a good deed fully and completely. And if he manages then to actually do it, then Allah will write for him between 10 to 700 times the reward of that one good deed that he did. And whoever desires to do an evil deed, but he does not end up doing it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will write for him a good deed. Meaning, if he thought of a bad deed, then he said, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He changes his mind. The mere fact that he changed his mind, he's sitting and doing nothing. The thought of stealing something came to him. He's tempted. Then he goes, no, I'm not going to steal. Just because he fought an internal desire and he's sitting doing nothing, Allah will write for him a full good deed. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, and if he ends up doing that evil deed, then he shall get the evil of one deed. Subhanallah, our book is not proportionate. No, look, everything is stacked in the favor of good deeds. Everything is stacked. If you desire to do a good deed, then you changed your mind for whatever reason, still you get some reward. If you ended up doing the good deed, you will get from 10 to 700. If you desire to do an evil deed and you changed your mind for the fear of Allah, you will still get a reward. So three of the four times, only in the last one, if you actually ended up doing an evil deed, you get written one evil deed. So this book, it is not a fair book in accordance with the fairness of this world. It is a merciful book that only the most merciful could write for us. It is a book that we could not even write for ourselves. It is a book that is stacked in our favor. And so woe to the one who is not able to take advantage of the mercy and the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we learn that this deed, or sorry, these books that we are writing, because we are the authors, right? In the indirect in sense, it's our good deeds and bad deeds. These deeds and books will then be returned to us, and they will be unfolded in front of us. We will be shown our own books that we have authored. Allah says in the Quran, وَإِذَا الصُّحُفُ نُشِرَتْ And this is of course, uh, when the suhuf, when the scrolls are spread out. So the suhuf are scrolls up. And nushirat is to open and unfold. And Imam Tabari comments on this. And he says that that is the day when the scrolls of our good and bad deeds that were rolled up because of our debts, they've now finished, they will be opened up since they have been closed at the time of our debts. Now, come day of judgment, they're going to be opened up and we will see the deeds that were written down, both the good and the bad. And of the most famous verses as well that really demonstrates that we are the ones that have authored this book and we will get our own book back. The book that we have authored, we will see it published in front of us. We will see it in its pristine and fresh form. The first print, we will see it on the day of judgment. Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Isra, verse 14 and 15. And every person, we have attached his 
Ta'ir. Ta'ir here, it is translated as fate or his decree or his destiny or his book. Kulla insanin. أَلْزَمْنَاهُ طَائِرَهُ فِي عُنُقِهِ وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَنُخْرِجُ لَيْهُمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And on the day of judgment, we shall take out for him kitaban, a book. وَنُخْرِجُ لَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ كِتَابًا يَلْقَاهُ مَسْطُورًا He's going to find this book, manshura, spread in front of him. اِقْرَأْ كِتَابَكَ This is so explicit. Read your own book. Read your own book. Whose book is it? Kitabaka anta, your book. Iqra' kitabaka. Kafa bi nafsika al-yawma alayka hasiba. Sufficient is you yourself to be your own judge on the day of judgment. This is a powerful verse. I want you to look it up and read it yourself. Surah Al-Isra, verses 14 to 15. Surah Al-Isra, verses 14 to 15. Iqra' kitabak. Read your own book. Kafa bi nafsika al-yawma alayka hasiba. And this book, of course, will contain every single deed that we have ever done. This is again reiterated. I mentioned this verse uh, two weeks ago. I'll reiterate Surah Al-Kahf, verse 49. الْكِتَابُ And the book shall be brought out. وَوُضِعَ الْكِتَابُ the book, the book shall be brought out. فَتَرَى الْمُجْرِمِينَ مُشْفِقِينَ مِمَّا فِيهِ the sinners, the criminals, will be terrified of this own book that they see in it. What they see will terrify them. So their own book will terrify them. And they will say, woe to us, what type of book is this? That's how we should translate the meaning here. What type of book is this? What is this book here that we are seeing? Neither a small nor a large deed is left, everything is recorded in it. And then Allah says, All that they themselves have done, they will find it in front of them. We are the authors of this book that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will return to us on the day of judgment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will know, will show no one injustice on that day. It is your own good deeds. Read your own good deeds. These are your deeds. These are my deeds. We're going to be seeing what we have done in this world and we will be presented back our own book that we have authored. And the purpose of course here is exactly as Allah says, كَفَى بِنَفْسِكَ الْيَوْمَ عَلَيْكَ shahida. You will be your own witness against yourself. You will testify against yourself. And this is mentioned in a hadith in Sunan uh, Abi Dawud and others that uh, Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala an uh, narrated that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam once laughed. And then Anas said, Ya Rasulullah, why are you laughing? So he said to them, do you know why I am laughing? I am laughing from the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his servant. On the day of judgment, the servant will say that, Oh my Lord, didn't you promise me that you will not be unjust? Allah will say, I did indeed promise. And so the servant will say, so then today I will not allow anyone other than myself to testify in my case. I'm not accepting anybody. So what is the point here? So you know, on, in the court of law, if there's an enemy, then you can say to the judge, this is a conflict of interest. This person, I don't trust him. This person, we have an issue here, you know, some bad, you know, money or whatever, some debt, some whatever. He said something, I said something. This person is not a neutral witness. And you know, in any court of law, one of the main points of, of, of defense is to 
impute the credibility of the witness. You know, the defense lawyer is going to come and say, that person, he has a reason to lie. He's not a trustworthy, he's not a credible witness. Throw his testimony out. And so if that is done, then the judge will say, ignore everything you heard. So on the day of judgment, Allah is saying, our Prophet is saying, a person will come and he will say, oh Allah, you promised this to be a just trial. Allah will say, yes. The man will say, I don't trust any other human being. Meaning he's going to try to get out of any witnesses and he's going to say, let me testify about myself. And so I'm not going to allow any external testimonies. And I'm only going to accept myself as a shaheed, as a witness, as a shahid and a shaheed to testify. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, today you alone will be a witness against yourself. And the books will be brought that the Kiram and Katibin have written and his mouth will be sealed and his body will speak and Allah will say, Intiqi. And so his body will speak with his deeds and the book is going to testify to all that he has done. Then after all of this is done, then his mouth will be allowed to speak and his mouth, the first thing it will say, it will rebuke his own body and it will say, all that I did, I did it for you. All these sins that I did, we did it for each other. I did it for you. But of course, it will be too late for all of that. The point being, this is a beautiful narration that indicates what is the purpose of these books being given back to us. The purpose of these books being given back to us is so that no one can accuse Allah of any injustice. No one can say, you brought an external witness and I don't trust this witness. We will testify against ourselves and our books will be enough and we will not be able to reject what is in the books because we have authored them and our bodies will testify to them. And remember, these detailed line by lines will not take place for the righteous. For the righteous, it'll simply be pass and go forward. And of course, this will be a time of great confusion and great fear. Once the Prophet ﷺ returned back to his house and our mother Aisha was there and she was crying. And the Prophet ﷺ said, what is causing you to cry? Aisha said, and this is such a beautiful hadith, I am scared of Jahannam, Ya Rasulullah. I am scared of Jahannam. Will you remember your family on that day? Will you remember all of us on that day? And the Prophet ﷺ said, three times, no one will remember anyone else. Three times, no one will remember anyone else. The first of them, when the Mizan is brought forth. The issue of Mizan will be our next week's topic. Mizan is the scales. The first of them, when the Mizan is come out, and everyone will be busy in his own thoughts until he knows whether it will be heavy or light. So this is one of the three times when no one will think of anyone else. The second of them, when the kitab, when the book is brought out, and it will be said, come read your own book, and a person will be in complete absorbing, yeah, no one will think of anybody else until the person knows whether he will be given his book from his right or from his left or from behind. So this is the second time when the book is brought out. That's what we're talking about today, the book. And then the third time when no one will remember anybody else is when the sirat is placed over Jahannam, when the bridge is placed over Jahannam and people are told to cross the bridge. So this hadith is a very powerful one that makes us pause and think 
three times our Prophet ﷺ said, even he and none of humanity will think of anybody else. And of course, he said this as a type of mubalagha, as a type of exaggeration. As for the Prophets, and especially our Prophet ﷺ, he shall be thinking of his ummah at all of these times. But this is just a point of making us understand that three times the average person will be completely absorbed in his own thoughts. Of them, number one, when the scales are brought out. Number two, when the book is brought out, our books, our kitab. And number three, when the bridge is laid, these three times. And these scrolls or these books, they will be brought out and we will be given uh, a chance to see through all of them. And as I mentioned in the last uh, lecture as well, that it is also possible based on one hadith that has some slight weakness, we mentioned that last time, it is also possible that we will be going back and forth, we'll be given this book, we'll, we'll have chance to examine it, then we can defend ourselves, and then the verdict will be given. So three times we'll have with this book, that this is the evidence, go and look at it. We will have the evidence, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow the opportunity for us to defend if there's any defense. And what defense can there be? We will admit that this is what we have done. And then the, the, the third time will be the actual verdict. And what will the verdict be? The scrolls or the books will be handed back to us. We will be given physically that our scrolls back to us. And depending on how we are given the scrolls, we will know our judgment. So this is one mechanism. Now again, I'm preempting. There's another mechanism and that is the mizan, that is the scales. And we'll talk about that next uh, week insha'Allah ta'ala. This week we're doing the issue of the scrolls. Now the mizan and the scrolls, their exact time frame vis-a-vis each versus the other, we're not quite sure. It could be that the mizan is before the scrolls, it could be the scrolls before the mizan, it could be they're contemporaneous at the same time. These are all issues from the ilm al-ghayb, we don't fully understand them. And it's not something that's going to change our iman, but we should be aware aware of each of these facets so that we are uh, prepared, that we know we're going to get our deeds back. We know that our deeds are going to be weighed on judgment day. So we said that the scrolls will then be brought. We will see our scrolls. We'll have the opportunity to defend. And then the scrolls will be given to us. And how they are given will be either the diploma of passing or the stigma of failure. How we pick up our own deeds and how we return to our families will already tell us our results. We know our results. And of course, this is something that is very clear in the Quran and in the Sunnah. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Haqqa uh, a number of beautiful uh, verses. We're going to go, uh, go over them verse by verse. And also uh, Surah Al-Infitar and others, they mention these verses as well. And so let us go over uh, one section of verses uh, from verse number 17 onwards that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions in the Quran. That uh, um, that uh, on that day the angels will eight of the angels will carry the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah mentions the judgment day happening. Allah mentions that on that day the event shall come to pass, the heavens will crack open and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come and eight angels will carry the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and the angels are surrounding, meaning all around the day of judgment. And on that day, eight 
shall carry the throne of Allah above them. So Allah's throne will come the whole day of judgments. If you like, arena is surrounded by angels. And what then does Allah say? يَوْمَئِذٍ تُعْرَضُونَ On that day, you will be exposed. We talked about this ard, we talked about this buruz, وَبَرَزُ لِلَّهِ On that day, you will be exposed. وَلَا تَخْفَى مِنْكُمْ لَا تَخْفَى مِنْكُمْ Nothing shall be hidden from you uh, on that day. Allah will be able to see everything. You will not be able to hide anything. Then Allah says, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ Notice, last week we did, we did the issue of ard, the issue of Allah looking and gazing. That is mentioned here, يَوْمَئِذٍ تُعْرَضُونَ Then the very next verse, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِيَمِينِهِ So as for the one who is given his book in the right hand, فَيَقُولُ He's gonna say, هَاُمْ Look at this, اِقْرَأُ كِتَابِ اِقْرَأُ كِتَابِ Read my own book. Read the book that I have done. Here, he's shouting with joy. You know, as somebody passes the exam, somebody comes top of the class, you can hear him, look, I came first, I did this. He's so excited. So the man is going to say, Come, take a look at my book and read it. I knew that I would meet my hisab on this day. A day would come when I would meet this actual judgment and my book is going to be returned to me. So the one who knew this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَهُوَ فِي عِيشَةٍ رَاضِيَةٍ He shall have a pleasant living. فِي جَنَّةٍ عَالِيَةٍ In a lofty garden. قُطُوفُهَا دَانِيَةٍ Its pickings, its fruits are easy to reach. كُلُوا وَاشْرَبُوا هَنِيئًا بِمَا أَسْلَفْتُمْ فِي الْأَيَّامِ الْخَالِيَةِ Eat and drink merrily for all of the deeds that you did in the days gone by. Your life that you lived, the difficult life, don't worry about it now. You shall have an easy life. وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِشِمَالِهِ As for those who took their book in the left hand. So we have those who took the book in the right hand. And then we have those who took the book in their left hand. As for those who took the book in their left hand, فَيَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أُوتَ كِتَابِيَ He shall say, Oh, how I wish I had never been given my book back to me. وَلَمْ أَدْرِ مَا حِسَابِيَ And I don't know what my fate is going to be. يَا لَيْتَهَا كَانَتِ الْقَاضِيَةِ How I wish that this had never happened. How I wish that I never knew what this account was if this was all ended and over. In other words, he's wishing for non-existent. He's wishing to be extinguished. He's wishing that this never happened. That يَا لَيْتَهَا كَانَتِ الْقَاضِيَةِ مَا أَغْنَى عَنِّي مَالِيَةِ My money is of no use to me. هَلَكَ عَنِّي سُلْطَانِيَةِ My power is completely destroyed. خُذُوهُ فَغُلُّوهُ ثُمَّ الْجَحِيمَ صَلُّوهُ ثُمَّ فِي سِلْسِلَةٍ ذَرْعُهَا سَبْعُونَ ذِرَعًا فَاسْلُكُوهُ Take him, shackle him, scorch him, throw him in the blaze, and then chain him to a chain whose length is 70 cubits long. This person, إِنَّهُ كَانَ لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ الْعَظِيمِ وَلَا يُحُضُّ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ Neither did he believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nor did he encourage the feeding of the poor. So this day he shall have 
no friend and his food shall be nothing other than the pus or the filth of Jahannam and the verses go on and on so I want you to take a look at this section of verses it's a very very powerful section that describes in vivid detail the issue of Allah Azzawajal's reckoning the issue of the buruz or the ard the issue of the hisab the issue of the books the issue of the returning of the books the attitudes of those who get their books in the right hand versus those who get their books in the left hand and this is something again very explicit so the one who will get the books back he will automatically know and only one of his hands will be active and if he raises the right hand to take the book back may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst them that will be the person who passes and the other one who raises from the left hand he knows that he will fail and he has failed the exam and in surah al-inshiqaq as well we have a series of verses uh, that are again well known to most of you that ya ayyul insanu innaka kadihun ila rabbika kadahan famulaqi that ya ayyul insan that uh, o oh mankind you are indeed toiling to your lord you are laboring towards your lord innaka kadihun ila rabbika kadahan famulaqi so you are laboring to your lord bit by bit journey by journey, day by day, trial by trial, فَمُلَاقِيهِ You are going to meet him. This is the mulaqa. This is the individual meeting of every single person. So what's going to happen in the mulaqa? Look at the Qur'an. فَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِيَمِينِ As for him who was given his book in the right hand, فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا يَسِيرًا He shall get an easy hisab. He shall get an easy hisab. And this is the height of hisab. This is the best hisab, the easiest hisab. Now, our scholars mentioned that not everybody who gets in the right hand will necessarily uh, not have the niqash. It is possible that the Muslims that are struggling, they might enter Jannah, but on the day of judgment, they might be punished slightly by having to go through each and every step of theirs. So again, Allah is describing the best of the best, that whoever is given their, their book in the right hand, that is the person, فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا يَسِيرًا He shall have a very easy hisab. وَيَنْقَلِبُ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُورًا And he will return back to his family in a state of happiness. He's going to come back so happy. He's going to return to his family. And as for the one who was given his book behind the back, then he shall indeed call for his own death. He's not going to want to even live. And he shall enter the sa'ir, which is the blaze, the, the blaze of Jahannam. He used to be arrogant in his own family. He thought he would never come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bala inna basira. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always always watching him. Now again, I want you to look up these verses, Surah Al-Inshiqaq, uh, verses 6 to uh, 15 or 14, you can look them up. Please look up these verses. And again, one of my goals in today's uh, lectures, these types of lectures, one of my goals is that you know your evidences. You go back to the Quran and the Sunnah, you look it up yourself, you see what Allah is telling you. Don't just take my word for it. Go back to the Quran, open up the Quran, Surah Al-Inshiqaq, verses 6 onwards. And notice here the beautiful... Uh, 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 the beautiful uh, contrast. Allah is saying that the one who was righteous will go back to his family in a state of happiness on the day of judgment. 
and the one who was unrighteous lived a happy life in this world and neglected the akhirah. So he's going to be sad in the hereafter. Notice how Allah contrasts. The one who is righteous, his ultimate happiness will be in the next life. So Allah says in the Quran, وَيَنْقَلِبُ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُورًا He shall return back to his family in a state of ecstasy, in a state of joy. And as for the other one, Allah says, إِنَّهُ كَانَ فِي أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُورًا He was in a state of joy amongst his own family. Now it's a very, very beautiful point here. It is as if Allah is saying, this person's happiness was the material pleasures of this world. And those material pleasures made him feel arrogant and haughty. And he passed all of these years by in this world. And all of his happiness was his wealth and family. So Allah says, the one who got his happiness with the dunya will not find happiness in the hereafter. Whereas the other person, he found his happiness in Allah and his wealth and his dunya was also a source of happiness. But his ultimate happiness was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you make Allah the ultimate goal, you get this world and the next world. And so it is not as if you have to make a choice. And I've said this again in a lot of my khutbas and lectures. It is a common mistake that people make, this either or dichotomy. If I'm righteous... I must give up all the pleasures of this world. And if I obtain the pleasures of this world, then I am unrighteous. No, the one who chooses Allah will find the purest of pleasures in this world, the most pleasurable. And he will find the pleasure in the worship of Allah, the ultimate pleasure. And the one who chooses the pleasures of this world will never ever be fully satiated and satisfied, forever changing the pleasures that he wants, forever digging himself deeper into his own deep and deepest desires. And he's never going to be satisfied until death comes to him. And then he meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all the happiness that he had in this world will not make him happy in the hereafter. So look at these verses. How and when does Allah describe the happiness of the righteous versus the happiness of the one who was not uh, righteous? And the, 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 the next point here, and a very interesting point, in these series of verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the person will get the book behind him. In the previous set of verses, Allah says the person will get the book in his left hand. Some of our scholars have said that there's three categories of people. The righteous will get it in the right hand. The sinners who are going to Jahannam will get it in the left hand. And then the worst of the worst, and they're also going to Jahannam, but they are the worst of the worst. They will get it behind their back. Others have said that no, it is two categories, the right and the left. But when they get it in the left hand, they will be so embarrassed. They will be so, if you like, uh, just mortified at what has happened to them, that they will attempt to hide their scrolls by putting it behind their back. So it is the same category of people. Those who get it in their left hand and those who put it behind their back are the same category of people. And the one who is getting in the right hand, he's rushing back, he's shouting with joy, look, I got it, I got the results, this is what I wanted. I knew I would meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Hasan al-Basri, the famous scholar of the Tabi'un, he said, O son of Adam, it is as if he's like saying what's going to happen on the Day of Judgment. O son of Adam, I have spread out your own parchment and put in charge of you two noble angels, one on your right and the other on your left. 
So do as you please, and increase or decrease what is written down. When you die, your scroll will be rolled up and placed on your neck in your own grave. Then when you come out of the grave, you will see your own scroll and receive it opened up. And so, اِقْرَأْ kitabak, Read your own book. For by Allah, whoever has placed you to be your own judge has shown infinite justice. End quote. This is Al-Hasan al-Basri extracting the scenario from the Quran and from the Sunnah that your scrolls will be put up and tied up and then put on your neck. And again, it is as if he's getting this from the verse, وَكُلَّ إِنسَانٍ أَلْزَمْنَاهُ طَائِرَ فِي عُنُقِهِ That we have placed his scrolls around his neck. Al-Hasan al-Basri extracted from this. When you go to your graves, there's going to be a symbolic book or scroll that you have with you. Then, on that day, so you're going to literally be protecting it. Nobody can tamper with it. Then, on the day of judgment, you're going to come out and you will open up your own scrolls to see what you have uh, done. We also learn from the ahadith that not all of these scrolls are the same length. In one hadith in Sunnah Ibn Majah, the phrase occurs that the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah will say that unfold the scroll. So his scrolls will be unrolled out. Each one of them, in one hadith it says, he will have 99 scrolls. Each one of them is as far as the eyes can see. So not every scroll will be the same depending on how long you lived and what you did and the quantity and quality of your deeds, the length of your scrolls will also be uh, different. And we can also see that perhaps there are different types of scrolls as well, that not all of the scrolls will be exactly the same. And there's a very, very beautiful hadith in the uh, Musnad of Imam Ahmad. And again, I mentioned this book many, many times. It is the largest collection of, of hadith that we have in print. And it's a beautiful hadith that again, it was so beautiful. I wanted to read it to you from the original. And it is actually one of the last volumes of the Musnad, volume number 43. Uh, 43. And it is hadith number in the edition that I have, which is the famous Mu'assasat uh, al-Risala edition, for those of you who know. And it is edited by the famous scholar Shu'ib al-Arnaut, Allah have mercy on him. Uh, and he spent a long time with a team of committed, dedicated scholars of hadith to edit the entire uh, collection. And it is uh, honestly one of the most beautiful uh, uh, books of hadith. And this edition is a very beautiful edition in which they went over every single hadith and they uh, found where it's uh, found in other narrations. They did a brief commentary on it as well. So it's a very beautiful uh, edition and it is published in 50 volumes. 50 volumes of this, imagine. 50 volumes like this of the Muslim Imam Ahmad. And um, the way that Imam Ahmad arranged the Sahaba, he started with Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali radiallahu anhu. He worked his way through all of the Sahaba. And then out of respect and satr, he put the women at the very end because again, this is simply a matter of modesty, even in books of hadith, uh, just to put them at the very end, not a matter of demeaning or not simply a matter of placing them at the end. So all of the uh, narrations of the female Sahaba are in the very last chapters. And that is why we're going to mention a hadith from our mother Aisha, and it is in volume 43, because it is from our mother Aisha, so it is found in the Musnad Aisha, which is at the very end of the large compilation, where the last hadith in the Musnad are narrated by women. And um, we will uh, conclude today's lecture with this hadith, inshallah, next time we'll have a longer Q&A today, there's no time for any Q&A. We'll just finish off with this beautiful hadith, uh, uh, from our mother Aisha, Imam Ahmed narrated, hadith number is 26,031, 26031. 
قال حدثنا يزيد قال حد قال أخبرنا صدقة الموسى قال حدثنا أبو عمران الجويني أو الجوني excuse me عن يزيد ابن بابنوس عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم so عائشة saying that she heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم say الدواوين عند الله عز وجل ثلاثة there are three types of دواوين ديوانز three types of registrars there are three separate types of registrars ديوان لا يعبأ الله بها به شيئا there is a ديوان or a registrar Allah will not care about it وديوان لا يترك الله منه شيئا and there is a ديوان there is a registrar nothing that is in it will be neglected وديوان لا يغفره الله عز وجل and there is a registrar Allah will not forgive it so three registrars فأما الديوان الذي لا يغفر الله فالشرك بالله as for the registrar that Allah will never forgive. It is the registrar of shirk. If a person dies having committed shirk and not repented from it, then the Prophet ﷺ said, as Allah says in the Quran, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ Whoever does shirk, Allah has made jannah haram for him. So we firmly believe that the only unforgivable sin in Islam is the sin of shirk when it is done without repentance. As I have explained, even the mushrik is forgiven if he or she repents. Repentance changes everything. And the repentance of the mushrik is to embrace Islam. So the first registrar will never be forgiven. If a person dies and that registrar is active, then he shall never be forgiven. And that is the one who is worshipping other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَأَمَّا diwan And as for the diwan or the registrar, لَا يَعْبَأُ بِهِ شَيْئًا Allah will not even care about it. فَظُلْمُ الْعَبْدِ نفسه فيما بينه وبين ربه من صوم يوم تركه أو صلاة تركها فإن الله عز وجل يغفر ذلك ويتجاوز إن شاء. Now this hadith requires some explanation because somebody might listen to it and misunderstand. In this narration, we are told there is a registrar. Allah will not care about it. And this is the personal sins that a person does between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe he didn't fast properly, he left a salah that he shouldn't have left. So these personal sins, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall forgive and overlook to whomever he wants. Now, this whomever he wants is very key. Because what it implies is for those whom Allah does not want, these sins shall be accounted for. And this is why we get to the issue of the reality of sins. You know, I'm actually giving another series as we speak. Uh, you can log on and check when I'm, when I'm delivering this lecture. As of the deliverance of today's lecture, I only have one of the other series which is called the reality of sin. Inshallah, this weekend or next weekend I'll do part two and then we'll continue part three and four, the reality of sin. In that other series I'm talking about what is the categories of sins and how do we get sins forgiven. So now we link that series to this one. Those whose sins are minor, and listen to that other series I gave, their good deeds shall absolve all of the minor sins and this hadith makes complete sense. That Allah is saying, or the Prophet ﷺ is saying, this registrar Allah will not even care about. If you do only minor sins, and you have all of your wajibat and your arkan done, and you've avoided the major sins, then this will dissolve. Your minor sins will dissolve. You will not go to Jahannam for minor sins. You might get punished other ways, but not in Jahannam. As for major sins, 
It is up to Allah, and this hadith is very clear, insha'a, if Allah wants, He shall forgive, and if Allah wants, He shall not forgive. So that's the second registrar. And as for the third registrar, la yatrukullahu minhu shay. Allah will not leave anything from that registrar. فَظُلْمُ الْعِبَادِ بَعْضُهُمْ This is the dhulm that people do to one another. This is you backbiting or you slandering, or you stealing, or you stabbing, or you causing any harm or injustice to somebody else, Al-Qisas, our Prophet said, you're going to have to deal with one another. La mahala, there is no divine intervention between two people doing dhulm to one another. So this beautiful hadith really demonstrates for us that the registrars or the scrolls, whether they're going to be three separate scrolls, whether there's going to be section A, section B, section C, we don't know. But the point is that we need to be aware that there's going to be basically three types of registrars. We need to make sure we have nothing in the shirk category. Nothing. Then we need to make sure we have nothing in the harm to others category. We don't want to come with another person saying, Oh Allah, this person said this about me. This person hurt me. This person harmed me. That is the one Allah will not intervene. Even if Allah wants to forgive the sins between you and Him, in Allah's infinite justice, when you have harmed another person, then Allah Azza wa Jal will allow those two people to deal amongst themselves. And on that day, the currency will not be gold and silver. The currency will not be dollars and British pounds. The currency will not be Bitcoin and paper currency. The currency will be the currency of good deeds and evil deeds. Therefore, beware, O you who is going around hurting other people, harming other people, slandering other people, stealing the money of other people. Beware, O you who revels in backbiting and gossiping. Beware, O you who revels in Dis, uh, in, in discussing the honor of chaste men and women. Beware of those who are causing dhulm and fitna and, fas- and fasad amongst other people. That even if your good deeds are as high as the skies on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow every single person whose honor you tarnished, whose dhulm that you were guilty of, the mazloom, is going to raise his hand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Oh Allah, this person did dhulm. I want my haq. And on that day, every single mazloom will be able to get the haq directly from the one who did dhulm to him. And Allah azza wa jal, being the perfect king, will not intervene. So beware, because on that day, the one who has done dhulm, the one who has done dhulm, shall face the consequences of his, his dhulm. And on that day, those who are mazloom will be greedy for every good deed. And so Every good deed that I can get and you can get if you have done dhulm, every good deed that you're able to get from those who have wronged you, from those who have slandered you, from those who have spoken about you unjustly, from those who have mocked and ridiculed you, you will want every single good deed from them. And I guarantee you that on that day, every single one of us will be greedy for good deeds. So we will obtain our haq from every single one of those who have done dhulm. And so let those who have done dhulm repent to Allah in this world before repentance 
is of no use. وَالْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ تُصِيبُهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبُهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ الظُّلْمُ ظُلُمَاتٌ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, Beware, O Muslim, beware of causing any ظلم in this world to any other human being. As for the sins between you and Allah, ask Allah's forgiveness and hope the best of Allah, even as you're worried of Allah's punishment. But insha'Allah ta'ala, those personal sins, if you are righteous, if you strive to do good, insha'Allah those personal sins shall be forgiven by the ghafoor if you repent to him. And insha'Allah we will continue next week bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Until then, jazakumullahu khayran. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima inna alladhina yu'zuna allah wa rasulahu la'anahum allah fid